0: You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Today, we're going to talk about school and try to help you go from indecision all the way through to clarity, because I know that like so many other people, your brain might be in a serious fog right now all about this. Listen, your school might go virtual. It might be run by robots and have kids hologram in via Zoom for 17.3 hours a day. It might demand masks or Batman costumes or tutus. It might require social distancing to the tune of 90 feet and actually be held in a soccer field it might reduce classroom sizes to no more than three kids and a goldfish per class or increase class sizes to include the entire school all piled on top of those tiny chairs, in which case some butts might hurt. And on the other hand, if you decide to homeschool, you renegade you, and your, your butt might actually be the one hurting because you'll be sitting on your computer, eyes squinting until they bulge out because of all the research that you're doing. Your kids might turn your house into a live rendition of Lord of the Flies. They may become illiterate, topless ignoramuses, and you may never pee alone again. Self-care might become a distant memory, (laughs) plus you might really give your neighbors something to talk about. Or maybe not. Maybe neither of these options will completely diminish your well-being, your bank account, or your marriage. Maybe either of them could work out okay, or manageable, or even enjoyable in some macabre way. Look, today I'm going to take you through a replay of my live webinar, where I am going to help you actually get some clarity around this decision. And if you stick with me till the end, you'll hear some Q and A. We'll go a little deeper on this subject and I'm gonna let you know all about my focus time course, which you can join if you are considering homeschooling and you want some clarity around that. So let's get into it. Here's the replay, I'm gonna press play. First of all, a huge, huge welcome. Thank you so much for anyone who's joining me live. And if you're listening or watching the replay, let me know in the comments, in the chat, in the reviews, whatever it is. I'd still love to hear your opinions and your feedback and if this has been helpful for you. The name of the session is Goodbye Indecision Decision and Hello Clarity. And that's because I know that everybody at the moment is incredibly well at least everybody around me and all of my clients and community have been expressing a lot of confusion suddenly everybody is asking themselves this question what's the right educational path right that was reserved for those you know fringe people of us who were considering homeschooling or, or alternative education options beforehand and now suddenly it's become 100 mainstream and global which <laughs> is such a crazy situation i don't think i could ever have predicted So I just want to first start off by saying that I am holding space for each and every one of you. And I know that this is a really trying time. Maybe you're one of those lucky unicorns that has had an amazing time over the past few months. But even if you are, I venture to guess that there has been a lot of upheaval, emotional and otherwise. And maybe you're someone who's really been hit hard with a lot of what's been going on in the world. And I'm just holding space for the vast variety of approaches and differences and feelings and needs and situations and resources that each and every one of us is in. Uh, We are not all in the same boat in the sense that we are all having very different, um, you know, resources, et cetera, and situations. But on some level, we are all in the same boat as well. And so just sending that uh, big, big love for you. Okay, so my goal today is to help you end analysis paralysis. And what I'm actually going to do is take you through a very methodological um, process uh, to help you gain that clarity. Um, but I want you to remember, as I've just said, you're a unique individual, so is your child, so is everybody around you, okay? So you have your unique location and laws and your resources, your values, your goals, your kids' ages, uh, your individual needs, et cetera. And I'm sure a million things I'm not even thinking to mention here. And so I just wanna say that everything I say always, and especially about this, needs to be run through that lens, that filter of, wait, does this even apply to me? Is this even helpful for me? Is she even talking about me? Um, So before I get going, I want to let you guys know about focus time because this is not going to be one of those webinars that you come on and it's basically one long sales pitch. Um, But I know a lot of you have been asking me about focus time. Those of you who are curious and unsure about homeschooling, uh, many of you probably already have taken focus time and I want to let you know about it. And then at the end of the the whole process that we go through today, uh, if you want to stay on, ask me Q&As. I will stay for a Q&A session. If you want to stay on and hear more about focus time, I'll tell you more about it then. But focus time is basically my very short, very punchy course that gives you clarity to homeschool with confidence. It's not a curriculum. It's not going to tell you exactly what to teach your kids every single day of the year. It's going to give you an overview and the mindset uh, that I have developed through Blood, Sweat, and this. A lot of trial and error, okay? And the main idea here is that you would get to keep up with academic standards, keep your kids up to scratch and perhaps beyond academic standards in one hour a day or so, right? And that approach has been for me and for everyone who's gone through focus time, a really a worry-free approach to education, which I think is really empowering. And I want that for you. Now, just a little thing, in case you don't know me or in case you don't know about our community, we are all weird in here. <laughs> We're all weird. We celebrate that diversity. We celebrate the fact that we all have very different opinions and lifestyles and needs, et cetera, And we just come together because we all care about creating family bliss as much as possible, creating a sense of meaning and bliss and connection and love and joy within our families as challenging as that is. It's only so meaningful because it's also so challenging. So uh, if that speaks to you, then you belong here with us. So focus time is going to be your opportunity to leapfrog over years of dollars spent, time spent, tears spent that I've spent, all of those things wasted and get some instant clarity to get from the get-go. Listen, honestly, when I first went down the path of homeschooling, and this is all going to be relevant for you if you're schooling as well, by the way, don't worry. We're not only talking about homeschooling here, but when I went down that path, Um, I just needed so desperately to speak to someone who was a few years ahead of me, like not 30 years ahead of me, but like three years ahead of me, um, who could give me some clarity because it was so confusing and there were so many options. So every seasoned homeschooler that I know now in our community knows that it's the parents' confidence and their mindset that predicts the success of your homeschool path. So going into it with the best curriculums and everything is not the point. You need to feel Uh, strong and confident about it. So just in case you're asking, and then we'll move straight into the meat and potatoes, uh, the tofu and rice of this session. Uh, Focus time is designed for all parents ages zero to nine who want to create a sustainable, sweat-free approach. You can certainly use this 10, 11, 12, but once we start to get into high school years, it's going to be different, I imagine. Okay, so you'll learn about adult-led learning, child-led learning, relationship-led learning. You'll get links to my curriculums and games that I use. It's not a lot of stuff. Um, And you'll have a bonus of adjusting this for little kids' ages. So it will take you less than three hours to watch the entire course, and the price is $48 one-time payment. Okay, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Avital. I'm a designer Uh, by trade. I've turned into a performance coach for parents. This is my passion. This is what I do. And as I mentioned, we've been homeschooling for a while, even before all the cool kids were doing it um, right now. And our goal today, what we're about to start going into right this minute, is helping you get out of analysis paralysis in that hellhole limbo, because that indecisive place, that complicated, confused place is sometimes so much worse than even making a decision that might not be the best decision, right? So I want you to know that my goal is not to convince you to homeschool. I don't hold any such agenda. I love it for me and my family in some ways, and we've used schools, and maybe we'll use school again. again in the future. I'm against certain parts of schools. I'm not against all parts of schools. Do you know what I mean? I'm very complex, complex and nuanced thinker. I don't believe in dogma. My goal here is not to convince you to homeschool or to convince you to take my focus time course. My goal here today, the reason I'm spending an hour with you is really because In my personal life and in my mission and in my passion, what I care about is helping parents be of a strong mindset, right? So that they can create family bliss and love parenting and parent from love. Now, you can't do that if you're stuck in limbo and if you're completely confused and in analysis paralysis. Should you choose to go the homeschooling path, I will definitely recommend that you take the focus time course because it will just ease your journey so much more. Um, But that is not my goal. My goal is to help you get out of fearing and anxiety and make the best decision for you. And I just wanna applaud you and give yourself a second, like they say in yoga classes and stuff, You know, just just give yourself some gratitude and honor yourself that you're taking a little bit of time today to take a deep breath and to focus on this topic and to, uh, I hope my goal is that you'll get some clarity and you'll be able to move forward with confidence. So give yourself, maybe let's take a deep breath together here, all of us together, okay? Okay, and just give yourself the kudos that instead of going through the next few months with brain spinning, you're taking in the moment to actually calm those anxieties and make some kind of reasonable step forward. Okay, Okay. everybody's saying yes, 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 yes. Okay, kudos. And thank you to everyone sharing the link. We're going to gather those and we will certainly be excited to announce a, a lucky winner. Okay. I love this quote and I'm just going to read it. The best use of imagination is creativity. The worst use of imagination is anxiety. Now I say this because we all use our imaginations all the time. And when you're in a time like this, where you're like, what's going to happen? And will my kid be an ignoramus? And will my kid be in, you know, learning with masks and all this stuff and all these complex, um, then you can use your imagination for anxiety. We can apply imagining the, the things that we don't know will happen into a direction that can make us feel incredibly anxious. And my, my, what I want to grab you by the shoulders, give you a big hug, a big social distancing hug, and say, okay, rein in all of that incredible imaginative energy, and now I want you to apply it towards creativity, creative problem solving. That's what we're here to do today, okay? So we're going to go through that matrix, that page that I've sent you all, But first, I want to offer you three mindsets that I think might be really helpful for you right now. Okay. Ready? Just give me a mindset in the comment. I'm going to ask you to give me a lot of feedback in the comments because I want this to be a conversation. Okay. I want to hear from you. So just give me a mindset if you're ready to adopt these mindsets. Okay. The first one. Thank you, Jordan. Okay. The first one is my role as a parent is to choose the environment in which my kids will Educate themselves, basically. Okay, the reason I say this is because we can get incredibly confused and overwhelmed when we think our role as a parent is to do all the things, to be the teacher, uh, to provide the school, to build the school, to whatever it is, to actually get the information into our children's brains, to, to develop them, to mold them, to shape them. It becomes a very, very, very active role. And I want to just kind of loosen your, your muscles a little bit around that sit you back down, offer you to broaden your shoulders, take a deep breath, and remember that one of the biggest um, impacts you can make on your children is simply choosing where you spend your time, where they spend their time, who they spend their time with, what kind of environment they're going to be in, right? And that should be, uh, this thought and this mindset should be a liberation, Because basically it's about, okay, I'm going to choose an environment. Is it going to be at home? Is it going to be in this school? Is it going to be in this Zoom room? Okay, I've done my role. Okay? And and the second part of this is the idea that children educate themselves, which is a very powerful idea from the world of unschooling. And I'm not a hardcore unschooler at all. I'm more of a homeschooler at the moment. It changes. Um, But my point with that is just to release a lot of the uh, onus, a lot of the responsibility, because ultimately we don't teach our kids to walk. We don't teach our kids to talk we actually create a good environment and support them in their journey. Children are intrinsically motivated to learn, develop, adapt, grow, and we just need to make a supportive environment for them. Same is true for teaching our kids to read, teaching our kids math, teaching them geography, history, whatever. It's much more about creating the environment where they can educate themselves, just like we create an environment where a baby can learn to walk. Okay. All right. That's number one. Ready for number two? Give me a number two if you're ready. Let's do number two. My choices aren't right for everyone. (laughs) Only for me and my family. Okay. If that right, I'm sure I'll make a lot of wrong choices for me and my family as well. And the thing about this mindset, especially now is I don't know if you're feeling this, but I'll just be honest and say that I'm feeling just like the level of judginess that has gone up (laughs) in our atmosphere is, is is deafening really like everywhere i look people are making these grandstanding statements about what everybody should be doing and how everybody is behaving and feeling totally licensed to critique and call out and and uh, you know argue with other people for the choices that they're making in what can only be described as a very confusing and unprecedented time where honestly none of us really know what the right choices to make are And so it can be really helpful instead of keeping trying to please other people or to make a choice that makes sense for all children or for all countries or for all the people involved in my life or for all the grandparents, whatever it is, instead to start to really hone in and say, look, I can't make a choice that's right for 7 billion people. There is no choice that's right for 7 billion people. But my choices don't have to be right for everybody. That's not actually how we need to measure this. Uh, I need to just do right by, or the best I can do by my family, right? I need to do right by my children and try and make the best choice I can. It may not be right for my neighbor. It may not be right for some Facebook group, um, but it's right for us right now, or at least it appears to be right. Lorreen says, choosing to be unoffendable. Exactly. So I'm a big believer in unoffendability and becoming unoffendable. And that's a a muscle that all of us are really going to need to flex when it comes to this because people will make comments, whether you choose to homeschool or center school or whatever it is that you choose to do, people will make comments that will cut you Through the heart, that you will feel like they think I'm being neglectful, or they think I'm being abusive, or they think I'm being um, uh, irresponsible, or they think I'm being you know whatever it is, (laughs) whatever they think, and that that's gonna happen. And so we just ground ourselves back into the idea that my choices aren't right for everybody. That's okay. (laughs) That would be absurd if they could be. My choice of the clothes I wear and the food I eat aren't couldn't possibly be right for everybody either. Why should this be? All right, ready for number three. Number three, nothing is set in stone. And this is another really important thing because we tend to catastrophize. Uh, catastrophizing is a cognitive fallacy that we are tending towards on a big level This, this at this time. And catastrophizing in the direction of thinking that, if I make this choice, I can see the knock-on effects, right? Like if I if I take my kid out of school for a year, they'll never go to college, or if I send them to school, they'll be psychologically scarred, or you know, whatever it is, we start to catastrophize, snowballing ideas into worst-case scenarios. But I want to remind you that children are endlessly adaptable, adjustable, resilient, right? So are we. We are capable and able to make change. And change might be scary, but it's also liberating and exciting and it gives us opportunities. And so nothing is set in stone. You make a decision, hey, you can come back in a month, two months, a week, whatever, and make a different decision. You can shift, you can pivot, you can trust yourself and your children and the people around you to be able to do that. And just kind of connect yourself with nature, right? With how trees change the colors of their leaves, shed their leaves, let them them go. They let them go and they have the confidence that they're going to be growing new leaves when the season comes around. And just, I want you to kind of ground yourself in that cyclical, spiritual, natural thinking that, okay, I'm gonna make a decision. It may or may not be right for this season if I decide not to, if I decide it was wrong, I can change if something doesn't feel right. And that is so much weight off our shoulders right there. Yeah, can you feel that? Just so much weight off our shoulders. Okay, let's keep going. So I would like to ask you to make sure that you have your journal printed out. I have mine right here. Let me get it. I'm calling it a journal. I don't know, cheat sheet, whatever it is, worksheet. If you don't have it, you can just use any blank paper and follow along because I'll be giving you the categories But the idea is uh, to use this. I hope it will be a really helpful tool and we're going to start going through it right now. Okay. So if you're ready, give me a ready in the comments and let's get going. Okay. We're going to end analysis paralysis today. Now, I want to tell you that these are not in some particular order, okay? It's not an order of importance. Uh, I should have just put it in alphabetical order. It doesn't matter. Some of these are going to be more important to some people. Some are going to be more important to others. Now, the idea is basically that we're going to go through each category, say the first one being education, and then we're going to give a score from one to five, okay, around uh how how much you agree with that category okay so for example education how confident am i that my kid will learn well if you give it just a one in school you're not confident your kid is going to learn well in school you give it a one if you're not very much you're partially you're very much or you're extremely confident you give it up to a five a five means this category is the best in this area okay And now this might seem like a very kind of cold calculated uh, way of making a decision. But I have found that when our, our thoughts get swirled and messed up in our head and they all mush into each other, it can be incredibly helpful. To tease them apart, to untangle that web, to make some order out of that those chaotic thoughts, and then to make a decision from a place that's a little bit more organized, where we've organized our thoughts. So that's what we're doing here right now. The idea is not at all to move away from intuitive uh, decision making, as you can see, intuition is one realm here. We're going to talk about it, but the idea is also to help engage our logical minds, our reasoning minds to help us create some order with all these thoughts. Okay. Okay. There's a link to the PDF um, in the chat. If nobody, if somebody doesn't have it yet, let's start with education. So education, the question I want you to ask yourself is how confident am I that my kid will learn well? And this is a question that you're really asking yourself either around school or around homeschool or around an additional option that you might have, like a co-op or a tutor or whatever it is, right? Now, learning well is a big is a big kind of question mark right everybody defines being well educated in a different way so you need to start thinking about your unique child and by the way if you have many children who are of school age you might want to go through this process separately for each one if that helps you um, i tend to just kind of bucket all my kids together but um if they if they are significantly different temperamentally and in terms of their learning needs then you will need to, to do it several times Um, But you can consider their learning style. Like maybe in school, you have absolute confidence in the curriculum, but you're not confident that your kid will be focused and really learning well, right? Or maybe the time of day. Maybe you have a kid that's a complete night owl, and they need to sleep until eleven a.m. in order to function well, right? Um, Maybe you're not confident in your own teaching skills or in the teacher's teaching skills, etc. Or maybe you are. Right, and the same goes for resources. So you might feel like, well, <laughs> I just don't have the resources at home to educate them properly, but in the school, they would have that, right? Um, so how confident am I that my kid will learn well? And let me, go, let me know in the comments that you have uh, kind of processed that question and given it a mark. And you can just give these marks kind of intuitively, right? What, what number comes from one to five? How confident am I in each of these options, okay? All right, we're gonna move forward. Time <laughs> okay how confident am I that I can take care of myself and my work okay so taking care of myself it might mean self-care it might need, mean understanding what my needs are it might mean my career, my work, my uh, housework uh, any other obligations I have like taking care of elderly parents or some community in, in uh, interaction you might have right and you might need to be considering well will I have help? Uh, Will I have some kind of support? What responsibilities will I have in this situation, right? What resources do I have? What temperament do I have, right? Let's get honest about our needs. If I'm a, a, a complete introvert who needs many hours a day by myself, is this a good option for me or is this a good option for me? What's best? There is no right answer in any of these questions. It's only what's right for you. So how confident am I that I will have time to take care of myself, and my work? Okay. If you have to include something else in there as well, like my partner and their work or whatever it is, include that as well. But basically, can time management work in my favor in this option? Okay. Let's move forward. Let's talk about the cost. Again, deeply personal, depending on Are you sending to private school or public school, uh, et cetera? But the question is, how affordable do I foresee this option being, right? And here, I would definitely recommend taking a bit of time to consider what your costs might be. In other words, if school is free or paid, Do you have to pay for busing or for lunches or for travel under the circumstances? Um, Would you be wanting to engage in classes, online classes? What kind of curriculum and materials do you think you're going to want to buy? And I'll just... Insert my own opinion here, which is that less is more. You you do not need to spend a lot of money on curriculums and on materials in order to have a successful homeschool life at all. Um, It really can be incredibly uh, cost effective. However, if you homeschool, you may have lost income, right? Because maybe you can work less, or your partner can work less, or something like that. Um, So just considering, try and thinking which one of these options is more cost friendly, and how important is that in this case? Let's talk about reliability. And I'm talking about reliability because I think many of us feel this lack of confidence, especially uh, with everything changing so rapidly. So how confident am I that this option will remain stable throughout the year? And I do just have to hark back to the mindset that nothing is set in stone, nothing is promised. Any option you embark on could certainly be shifted beneath your feet. And I, instead of holding on tight and feeling like, no, 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 it can't change, it's not okay, I won't manage it, I would recommend working on your mindset around that to accept that changes always happen and that nothing is ever promised and tomorrow was, wasn't promised to begin with. And really working more on a flexible mindset However, it might still give you a lot of comfort to realize the stability or lack thereof, right? How convenient is part of that stability, right? How sustainable is this option right now? Is it local? Is it predictable? Are they sending confusing messages, right? Like if they're sending negative or unhelpful communication, are they demanding loads of emails, loads of interactions, lots of of answers that I don't currently have, right? Or are they operating with clarity? Is there a certain path laid out and I feel like I can trust this option to be stable, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Are you guys with me here? It really depends on who, which school, which option uh, you're interacting with, but does it give you a feeling like, yes, this is a partner that I can work with under these circumstances? Okay. The next one is the method. Okay. How comfortable am I with the medium my kid is learning in, right? With the method of education. Now, uh, at home, you can choose your method of education, right? You could be doing Montessori style, Reggio, Charlotte Mason, um, Unschool, um classical conversations all these different uh, curriculums etc that you can choose however of course it's going to be down to you and up to you to implement those um i know for many people a big concern is around the format of screens and virtual learning right or a fear that uh, the type of education that that the children are going to be getting isn't engaging enough, right? Maybe doesn't have the social involvement that is needed for some children in order to learn. Maybe they are needing to sit still and not touch each other and not go outside and not have recesses, right? How much time is spent uh, with one-on-one instruction, with small groups, in recess, that kind of thing, right? What kind of pressures, academic or otherwise, will my child be subjected to and will I be subjected to under this method, right? So that's just asking ourselves, do do I feel comfortable with this way of learning? Is it actually what I want for my child? Um, And and how how comfortable do I feel from a one to a five? All right, guys, let's just take a deep breath before we move forward. We're about halfway through. And just give me a yes in the comments if you are with me and if this is helpful and if you're getting some clarity already now, If, if some things are coming up and you're getting some organized thoughts. Jordan says, yes. Excellent. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Great. Then I'll take your silence as focus, and we'll keep going. Okay. The next thing that we're going to look at is socialization. Okay. So, how confident am I that my kid will have social opportunities in this, uh, in this particular choice? And I just want to note, point out to you guys, because I'm sure many of you think that I have a bias towards homeschool, which I probably maybe do in some cases. But I just want to note that in each of these categories you could be putting a five in one and a one in the other or vice versa there isn't a clear winner for anyone except for you do you see what i'm saying it's all very individualized like in socialization for example there could be the argument that school will offer much more socialization because your child will go there and see other kids or be on zoom you know a virtual classroom and see other kids Or there could be an argument that they're actually going to be very isolated and the experience of socialization won't be good because of social distancing and masks and that kind of thing. I don't know. It depends on the regulations and the needs, et cetera, in your... resources. Do you see what I'm saying? And then vice versa is true as well. Homeschooling could think you could think, well, there are no social opportunities if we homeschool and my kid will be alone and at home, but maybe your kid has a bunch of siblings, right? Maybe you have a bunch of kids, or maybe you're in a pod with one or two other families, right? And then they're getting a lot of high quality socialization on a daily basis. Or maybe your kid actually needs a lot of time alone. I also want to say that age matters a lot when it comes to socialization. And so does temperament, right? Um, some, some kids actually really need not a lot of social interaction. They need a, sh- a short bursts of it. Others crave it and need it for hours a day. And it also is typically developmentally thought that around the age of seven or eight is the age of concern. And that's the age where social needs peak. And I know many parents come to me with a big concern about their two-year-olds or their three-year-olds not getting enough social interactions at home. And I want to just say that I don't think that that is necessarily the time that you need to be so concerned about that because their primary social interactions are going to still be with adults at that time, with you, basically, or with their primary caregivers. And so it actually becomes more of a concern with slightly older kids most of the time, right? There are temperamental exceptions to that rule. Okay. All right. So let's. Uh, so how will this impact your child's social life? And I want to add there your social life, right? If you homeschool and there's a co-op that's meeting in person and you can go and be with other parents and see other children, I don't know, at least speaking personally for me, that has been the highlight of my week, many years homeschooling, those co-op days that I get together with other families, just being with uh, with other mothers mostly, but it could be fathers too, in those cases, I think it does a complete nervous system rehaul, like everything just settles down because you feel validated, you feel in community, you feel that feeling of raising children in that village that it takes, right? You're like, oh, everybody's around. I'm not going to get triggered. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to suddenly lose it because I'm I'm going out of my mind because there's this, this kind of ventilation effect, Um When we're all together, it's actually so very necessary on an evolutionary and biological level. So don't just think about your child's social life. Think about your social life as well. Um, What are the options? Do you have pods? Do you have abilities to meet up with social distancing? Without social distancing? Again, depending on what is available to you. Um, Okay. So um, if you have questions for me about focus time or anything else, I see them coming in in the comments. Definitely, we're going to answer them. Just put them in the Q&A box so we don't lose them, okay? And I'll finish this process with you, and then we'll go straight into Q&A. So um, the next thing that I want to talk about is autonomy. And that is really a question of how in control do you feel, right? How much control will I have over this option? And this can be incredibly important when we feel like we're, we're losing control over so much, when we're not in control. Sometimes just the fact that this is an option I have control over, no one can, you know, Make big changes on me may, might hold a lot of sway for you, depending on how much of a control freak you are, just like the rest of us, right? So, how much control will I have over this option could also be a downside for you if you feel like I don't want this responsibility, I can't take this on, I need someone else to be in control of it, right? So, just ask yourself in terms of your mindset do you feel like you can change and pivot? Do you feel like it's up to you? Do you feel like you're supported? Do you feel like you got this? Or maybe you feel like like, no, I'm at their mercy. I'm at my children's mercy, at my partner's mercy, at the mercy of the weather or PMS or other people. Because if you feel incredibly shakable, then it can be very hard to lift a burden of responsibility and say, yes, this is mine. I'm going to take it on. I can do this, right? So we need to develop that kind of mindset if we're going to put that onus onto us. And vice versa is also true. If we feel like, no, I need to do it my way and the things that I believe, and you know, I, I need to feel in control, then it's gonna be hard to pass that on to someone else and to hand over that control. So just give that a rating for you. How much autonomy will you feel? And perhaps your child as well, depending on how old they are and their temperament. Health, let's talk about health because that's on everybody's minds at the moment. Um, how confident am I that this option protects my family's physical health, right? Given that we're talking about a time of a pandemic, there's going to be procedures and restrictions and risks and exposure and your personal situation, your personal health story, maybe exposure to elderly people in your community or whatever it is, that's going to be completely individual based on you, your comfort level, uh, your confidence in your children 's health, your confidence in the procedures that in the location that you're sending them to uh, those types of things. so again, hugely personal choice, just like the rest of it. But if this is a source of great anxiety for you, if you're going to be constantly worried about a fever, a cough, you know what what 's going on, et etc, then that is obviously something you're going to want to put into your considerations here as well. Okay. The next one is your relationships. Okay. So how confident am I that this option is good for my family's emotional health? So you're going to need to think about the individuals in your family, about your emotional resources, about each person's needs, about your level of exhaustion, about personalities, right? Like if there are two siblings that are always fighting all day and it makes everybody crazy and it's so difficult, hey, is that uh, going to be exasperated by us being together all day? Or is that actually maybe going to be an opportunity to overcome the stress? Uh, Do I feel confident that I can manage healthy family relationships? Or is the cost to our family relationships going to be incredibly high, right? Is the cost to our family relationships going to be incredibly high because me and my partner don't agree about a homeschooling you know, how rigorous it should be, or don't agree about the importance of grades or whatever it is, like where are the tensions going to spike? Uh, where can I actually kind of moderate and ventilate some tensions by making a choice that supports our family's overall emotional well-being, right? How will I feel uh, in, I'm closer and more accepting and more patient with the people I love? And how will I support them in being patient and connected with each other? What's a better choice? Again, there is no answer. What's a better choice for our family? What will minimize uh, you know, extreme conflicts, extreme uh, sense of disconnect, and what will maximize a sense of capacity and capability and connection? Okay. And finally, uh, last but definitely not least, is your intuition. Okay? So just if I was to you know, show you the two options or the three options that you have on your sheet, what does your gut say? Right? How good does this feel uh, it, it, on a gut level? And I think that's incredibly important, especially after you've teased apart the various reasons that are coming in, the logic that's coming in. What, is, what do you feel uh, deep down inside about this? Okay. What, what would you like to do? <laughs> like if I told you right now, you're doing option A, how does that feel? And if I told you, no, actually, you're doing option B, how will that feel? And that's also an incredibly important thing to take into account. Now, you might have additional considerations, okay? So add them in, add them in at the bottom of your graph. Like for example, uh, you might want to consider your religion or spirituality, right? You might want to consider specific uh, relationships and social connections that you have, um, or specific uh, plans that you have for a move or for travel or for starting a business or uh, Having a baby or anything that's unique to you unique to these schools Maybe you feel like you need to support the school or you don't want to support the school, etc, cetera, etc cetera, Right. And what are the unique considerations that you might have and certainly add those in Okay, so I hope you guys are all uh, fine, finalizing that and tallying up your sum total. And as you look at that sum total, actually, I'll just go back a second. As you look at that sum total, just visit that last question again in terms of what do I feel about that sum total, right? If I came to, uh, <laughs> okay, Liz says she's come to the same number. That's that's interesting, certainly. Um, okay, and how do you feel about that, right? How do you feel about one of them scoring higher than the other? Does it feel right to you? Is it basically giving you some clarity? Like, okay, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. That's kind of the direction I was heading anyway. Or is it a surprise to you that you're actually like, oh, I've been fighting for this option, but this option seems better to us on many different ways, right? Again, no right answer. And just because one, uh, you know, one scored higher, it's a tool to give you some clarity. But ultimately, you're going to have to test that against how you feel about it, right? <laughs> against whether you feel like that's a good answer for you. Okay okay. Wow. This solidified things on paper for me. Now I'm going to ask my husband to do this decision matrix, right? uh, Before watching focus time and after. Okay. So that's really, really helpful. And if you do have a partner who's making this decision with you, then I would highly recommend printing out a second sheet and having them go through it as well. And then comparing and debating, right? Debating each point, (laughs) argue it, Argue it out, right? In a civil kind way. But make your points convince each other, influence each other so that you really kind of massage the material until you get clarity over where you stand on each of these elements and perhaps on more elements beyond, right? That are uniquely true for your family. Okay. Tiffany says this has been so helpful. I definitely need to do all, for all three of my kids separately, says Shauna. Yes, I definitely need to work through this with my husband as he will be home more than I, 100%. So those are the types of things that you absolutely need to consider. This is just the starting point, but it is a tool to help you get that clarity and start to kind of uh, drill down to the core essential elements that are going to make up this decision. And the truth is that, as you can see, this is the type of process that you can then apply to many other decisions besides. Uh, but I find it really, really incredibly helpful in organizing thoughts and in moving forward with a sense that, you okay, no, I've actually looked at this from all the different faceted sides, right? I've actually got a lot of clarity about this, and then I'm gonna ground myself back into those mindsets, right? It's My role is to make a decision, is to choose an environment, That's what I'm doing here and now, right? And it's the right decision for my family, but it doesn't have to be the right decision for anybody else, and nothing is set in stone, so I can always revisit and always come back to it. Okay, guys. So let me know in the comments if this has been helpful for you. Just give me a helpful in the comments um, if you feel like this has actually given you a shift already. Okay, helpful, 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 helpful. Yay. Thank you. I appreciate that feedback and I'm so glad to hear that it's been helpful. Um, I'll give you another few thoughts and then I'm going to share more about focus time uh, and then I'll do a Q&A. So if you would like to stay and ask me a question, or if you want to stay to hear more about focus time, absolutely do so. Um, If not, thank you so much for joining me here today. And I hope that this helps you move forward. Uh, And I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Okay, so now I want to help you, um, particularly if you are leaning towards homeschool, but even if you're not, I just want to offer some some thoughts and then I'm very happy to answer any questions that are coming up so first of all if you're considering homeschool I want you to remember that before you go out and get all the stuff right all the awesome stuff and I'm sure you like me are being flooded with ads for all the different curriculums and subscription boxes and classes and they're awesome they're great however first, The most important thing is for you and your child to get your mindset in place, right? Not to be like, oh, shiny object syndrome, but instead to get your mindset in the right place, okay? I want you to move forward with confidence. Now, some of that confidence, neither I nor anyone else can give you, okay? neither I nor anyone else can give you because it comes from experience, it comes from trial and error, it comes from actually getting in the water and swimming, right? Like I can give you a course on how to approach swimming, but ultimately you can't swim unless you actually get in the water and do it with your body, okay? That's what homeschooling is like, uh, just like many other things, but I still want you to approach it without the fears, right? So I want you to know that learning, any kind of learning, can only be effective, right? It can only actually do anything for your child and be considered an education when you and your child feel good about it. If you're in kind of this... A conflict place, if there's tension, if you yourself are wracked with indecision and feeling, you know, lack of confidence and all of that stuff, it's not going to be a good learning experience for your child. And it's going to be terrible, terrible suffering for you, right? Um, even when you do have a lot of confidence and clarity, there's friction, there's arguments, there's constant nagging, all of that stuff is going to occur. But when you're wracked with indecision or guilt or frustration or shame or confusion, it gets so much worse. Um, So knowing how you're approaching learning and realizing that some learning involves adult partnership and guidance and just really understanding, okay, what is my role? how can I do it effectively? What is the most up-to-date research and knowledge about how people learn, right? Effective habits for learning. And how can I apply those? Because really, if you're going to homeschool, there is no point just bringing school home. School is designed for a classroom of 15, 20, 30 kids, uh, all having to kind of get onto the same page at the same time um, and go through the same process. The, one of the great upsides of homeschooling is you don't have to do that. You can tailor make it to suit your child, your lifestyle, your values, your goals, your dreams, your desires, your fun. And it would be a big shame to miss out on that aspect, right? But you do need your children to learn certain things. You need to learn them to learn that there are certain tasks that have a beginning and have an end, right? not just this free for all, whatever you learn, whenever you learn it, etc. right? We want some kind of order, just like I've given you this order here today that hopefully has helped you organize your thoughts. We want that for our children in their education as well. We want them to have a certain um, path that they are following. And within that, there's a ton of freedom and creativity, but we want them to have a certain sense of moving forward along something, right? For example, we want them to learn that materials need to be treated with respect, right? We want them to use our space and the things that we invest in with care and to put them back when they're finished. This is just one example from the world of Montessori in particular of teaching children certain things in a way that actually gives them skills, right? Focus demands quiet. It demands a space that is clear, that is for processing what they are learning, right? And it typically comes in short bursts. And this is all in contrast to what is happening in school, right? In school, you have a lot of people around you. There's a lot of stimulation. um, It comes in quite long classes and for long days and for long years, right? And so these are all things that you can do differently at home. Right? So sometimes that learning needs adult support, and there are some types of learning that don't need adult support, and that would be a great time for you to get time for yourself or time for your chores or that kind of thing, right? So if you have this goal to stretch your child's minds, to teach them to overcome obstacles, to see themselves as capable, right? And to see their work as meaningful, then I really want to invite you, right? Because now that you know what's important to you and you know that you want to go down this path, I really want to invite you into uh, focus time. Now we've added a really exciting bonus, which is that I'm going to be doing three Q&A sessions for free uh, for those who join Focus Time before Wednesday um, and next Wednesday. And the reason I'm doing that is because you can join Focus Time and binge watch it in three hours, get a ton of clarity. But if you're left with questions, I will still be there to hold your hand for the first three weeks uh, with your q and with these q a sessions. Okay, so just ask yourself, I know that you probably like most of us have 99 problems right now, but what if your approach to homeschooling and your confidence and mindset around it wasn't one of them. What if we could just knock that off the list really painlessly and you could feel like, okay, I got this. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's There's going to be ups and downs, but I kind of know where I'm going and what I'm going to do with this, right? So you can grab your copy of Focus Time now. It's at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash focus time. And you will then be invited to join me in person on Wednesday for this uh, Q&A. Okay, let's go into Q&A right now. I'm super excited. I know there's a whole bunch of questions waiting for me in the Q&A box. All right. Lucy, what happens if there are not any homeschoolers in your area? I'm in the UK and my kids will spend all day on their own. Okay, Lucy, that is a great question. I want to tell you, first of all, that I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical that there truly aren't any homeschoolers in your area because first of all, it's been growing for years, including in the UK. And second of all, right now, so many people are considering this option because of COVID. And so I would really um, urge you to look more deeply uh, into whether there really aren't any other families, because the truth is that all you need, and this is crazy, but all you need is one, right? It would be nice if there were two, but all you need is one other family that you connect with, that your children get along with to make a big difference. So if you can, yeah, Tamara says, bring a friend, right? If you can bring a friend, um, if you can um, find that other family, there might be a 20 minute drive, they might be a half an hour drive, etc. Uh, it took me four and a half years to find our like homeschool twins that we're so close to today. Um, But so I'm not saying it's easy, but the other thing I want to say is that don't discount all of the kids who are in school, right? Because as long as regulations allow for it um, and you're comfortable with it, you could be doing a lot of socialization in the afternoons, right? You could have a fixed play dates and and meetups uh, after school hours on the weekends and your mornings are spent just you, you at home, right? So I think if you get a little creative, you'll find that you will find connections. You don't need a lot of them. You don't need huge crowds of them at all. You just need that family that you get along with. And that could be a school going family as well. Okay, Um, the link to the course is in the chat box, theparentingjunkie.com forward slash focus time. And we've received such amazing, you know, I think over 800 people have taken it in the last month alone, and we've received such amazing feedback on it. So just to be clear, it's not a curriculum. It's going to teach you about our approach to homeschooling. Basically, homeschooling is as broad as school or as parenting, right? You have unschoolers, you have Charlotte Mason, you have uh, Montessori homeschoolers, you've got all the different types and shades and colors. And this is going to give you my approach, how I've uh, ended up... Uh, homeschooling and we're going to do a hybrid version this year hopefully I'm I'm hoping to send my kids to a program twice a week if it's working Um, but the rest of the time this is what we do and so it's I I just wish I had this five years ago um, so that I wouldn't have had to (laughs) figure it out the hard way with a lot of confusion and a lot of yelling Yeah, okay. Uh, Lucy, I'm so up for homeschooling, but my husband thinks I'm going to ruin my kids. I've seen such a positive impact after COVID and can't bear the idea of sending them back to school. How do I get my husband on board? Okay, so obviously that's a huge and broad question. I'm gonna tell you two things. First of all, we can drop in the chat. I have an ebook called uh, 10 Zen Secrets of Persuasion, and it's basically how to ethically convince your partner of anything. not in a manipulative way, but in a truly influential way, persuasive way. Um, the, the, that ebook is a quick read. I hope it's a fun read uh, and it's free. And it's going to help you to really get your mindset in a place that isn't just badgering your husband, or you know, criticizing him, or uh, stuffing information down his throat, or you know, whatever it is, or guilt tripping him, or setting ultimatums. But actually, using wise communication skills that are very influential over people in a positive way. Like you could use this for negative things, and I know that you won't, Lucy, because you're talking about homeschooling. Um, But the point is to use them for good in our relationships. And so, I would recommend. A, reading that book. That's the first thing I'd say. B, uh, going through this process together, right? Not by yourself, together. uh, And showing him uh, what's been working, what you've been reading, what you've been experimenting with, and just really trying to kind of garner his support, get him on board through the evidence and through um, what's really been happening for you and your children at home. I also want you to remind him that... um, nothing is set in stone when i started off homeschooling my husband was also incredibly resistant to it um and i just said to him we'll, we'll try right we'll try and if you show me uh, that it really isn't working if you see that it's just you know ruining our kids no problem we can pivot we can send them to school and i also put some of the responsibility back on him saying okay but then you need to show us the school that we'll be sending them to take you know go for a tour do the research convince me that it's a good school and that it's worth it, uh, to give up on homeschooling and I'll be convincible. Right. So just remaining open on both directions. Um, the book, Rebecca is the com slash ebook is where you can get it. Yeah. We've just dropped it in the comments there. And tell how old were you when your kid, how old were your kids when you started using the focus time program with them? So my eldest was about six. um, six, an older six. Um, It's very dependent on where you are in the world and how, you know, mature your child is, how academically inclined your child is. I don't think that there's a sharp age that you need to start. However, in the focus time course, there is a bonus that's going to help you transition little kids, right? So you can start from preschool age and gently setting them up for good habits, setting kind of setting the path in motion so that when you actually want to start to teach them reading, writing, math, etc., it has become just part of your daily flow. I can't stress enough to you how not big a deal it is, <laughs> like how it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of effort and it doesn't cost a lot of money to do it in this particular method. And so I just want you to know that, No matter how old your child is, you can start very minimalistically with just a few minutes a day, build up, go slow, and you can create incredible results because the compound effect of small, tiny bits of learning every day is magnificent. Can you explain what a hybrid model is? Absolutely. So a hybrid model really just means a mishmash, right? Like I've taken bits from here and bits from there. So in some ways, we're unschoolers. In other ways, we're homeschoolers. In other ways, we are actually schoolers because we send our kids to a program. Like last year, we sent them to a program twice a week. So twice a week, they were basically in a school-like environment. It was a program for homeschoolers or for alternative schoolers. But those days, you could say I was a schooler, right? Like I was giving it over to someone else. Else, they were with other kids, they had to you know, do whatever the program was there. And then other times uh, do, we're sitting down and doing school at home, et cetera. So a hybrid model is basically any way that you combine different elements for yourself. So I bring in, you know, I, re, I have read a lot about Reggio and Montessori and Waldorf and Charlotte Mason, etc. cetera. Uh, I read a lot of books uh, by educational thinkers and philosophers like Alfie Cohn and Dr. Peter Gray. Etc. And then I bring in the pieces, I cherry pick and and, and bring in the pieces that I feel work for me and for each individual kid of mine. Um, So for you, it could be something like having a tutor do part of it or going to a co op for part of it or going to school for two hours in the morning, but then being at home for the rest of the day, etc. Right? It's a hybrid model, just means that we make our own model up. If homeschooling a preschool child and still needing to work a flexible schedule of eight hours for another company from home, Do you feel it is still impossible to give the child the attention they need while helping them learn some autonomy as well? Catherine, my short answer is no, I don't feel it's impossible. Uh, My long answer is that depends on uh, if you have any other help, if there are any other adults around, uh, what kind of temperament your child has and you have. If you're going to feel incredibly irritable and frustrated every time, you know, she wanders into the room, she's playing with something, she's asking you for something, etc. cetera. Uh, your comfort level with using screens uh, once a day for some portion of that time so that she's engaged and not going to disturb you during core parts of your work, like maybe conference calls or whatever. So there are lots of different details that are going to go into what that really looks like. But my ultimate answer, barring all of those exceptions and caveats, is that no, it's not impossible. You can certainly do it, and your child doesn't need full-on attention from you all day. In fact, in focus time, you'll learn exactly how to divide that up. There's the adult-led, child-led, and relationship-led, and then a huge portion of the day is all about autonomy and independent play. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that that's what I stand for. And so I am not with my children for the majority of the day. I mean, I might be with them, but I'm not directing them or focusing on them or interacting with them in a big way. Most of the time they're directing themselves during our focus time portion. We are certainly, I'm certainly there very full on, but that is for about an hour a day. So that should be very manageable in that case. Okay. Ivan, what homeschool system do you recommend for non-English speakers? Uh, Ivan, I don't know. I don't know about curriculums in other languages. I can tell you that we do second language at home, which is Hebrew. And I buy, uh, I have bought Rosetta Stone in Hebrew, which was an okay investment. We kind of used it. It wasn't amazing. But uh I do recommend I but uh, but I bought some like reading and writing curriculum books, textbooks, boring textbooks that have actually worked much better for us. Um, But you would need to research in the language that you're looking for uh, to find the options. Right. Because it depends on that language. Socialization. This seems to be the biggest question my partner has. He wonders if our social skills will be as developed as they could be if he went to public school. Uh, so that's a great question. There does not seem to be, and it's going to be different during COVID times because even in public schools, I don't know what the options are really going to be uh, in terms of socialization. My friend told me today that the kids need to sit far apart. There is no recess. Uh, there are masks. And so I'm not sure how that influences people's socialization for the better. I don't know. However, typically, that's not true. Typically, homeschoolers can be even more socialized and depending how you define socialization, right? If it means only that you get on with children in your clique, in your age group that look like you, that sound like you, that go to the same school as you, you'll get a better result in public school. But that will also often include uh, bullying, um, you know, just teasing, uh, social cliques and that kind of thing. So pros and cons there. uh, But typically, homeschoolers They could be the stereotypically weird homeschoolers who are closed at home forever and don't have any friends. Um, But in my experience, all of the homeschoolers I know, and I know many, uh, tens of families, uh, they are all out and about meeting people uh, of all ages and stages. And one of the beautiful things about homeschool when you can socialize is that it's typically lots of different types of kids um, of various ages and abilities together. And that's a beautiful thing because that's actually very important in socialization is to be able to get on with different types of people, particularly multi-age groups, uh, is, uh, is important developmentally. So I, I think there's a significant ar- argument to be made for the other direction as well. Gina, I kind of expected both answers, but I love that some considerations really just point out my fears, except for health, which is the only big concern I have about school as I feel comfortable overall. But... Because of the COVID situation, I've been considering homeschool even if it feels scary. And I fear that being a not so structured person, and as I struggle with routines already, it could be a little too much. Thank you. I completely understand, Gina, and that is the point of this exercise is that it's supposed to bring out uh, our fears and so that we can start to decide where do we really want our fears to motivate us and where do we not? In other words, are these limiting beliefs that we can actually uh, overcome? Uh, for example, the limiting belief that I'm not a structured person and I struggle with routines. Okay. Uh, that could be a limiting belief that could be overcome. It could be a skill that you could learn, uh, or it could be something that's just something that you can work with and live with and, work and and learn with, and that's fine. Maybe there's a great way of being a homeschooler that is unstructured and doesn't have routines, right? It depends on your personal preferences and needs. Um, and the same goes for the health concerns, right? Do we want to overcome those? Do we want to look at the statistics and the logic and try and make sense of whether or not it's a real concern or do we feel like, no, this is a real concern and that's going to then help us make the decision to homeschool? So do you see, I would just really sit with those fears and see, hey, are they uh, limiting beliefs that I need to overcome and coach myself through or do I ultimately believe that this is going to be a limitation? okay what time are the q a's each wednesday if i join focus time that is a great question i'm just going to open my calendar and double check i believe they're at this time 11 a.m est no i'm wrong there are one okay two are at 1 p.m est and one is at 8 p.m est and that is to allow for people in australia and that side of the world uh, to attend now here's the thing is that you will receive the recordings so you can send in your cues ahead of time and we will answer them, and you can still watch the recordings. They will be added as a bonus in Focus Time. Hey guys, a huge welcome to everyone who's just joined Focus Time, and a huge thank you for, you know, I'm humbled. Anytime anyone joins any of my courses, free or not, I'm just humbled and so grateful that you've taken that chance on me and put that belief in me. I am confident that you will have a good experience there. Um, And yeah, and I just wanna remind everyone, the link is in the chat. Uh, Join it now so that we can be sure to save your spot for these Q&A bonuses because I would love to be able to Customize it for you Okay, B. What is the age to start this? I think my kids are too little but they are still school age three years ten months Okay, it's a great question B. Uh, I'll answer it like this. Look, you don't have to do anything, right? But I'm the type of person who likes to prepare a little bit mentally and do a little bit of research for things to come. So three years now, very soon, four, five, and six, right? You're in that pre-K, K, K, um, and, uh, and first grade ages. My recommendation is that given, give. I think you're talking about focus time, that given the low price, given the Q&A sessions bonus, I would jump in because it's like a prep right? I do that kind of thing the whole time. Like I'll take a course that's preparing me for the years to come of the next stage. Like when we run present play, we have a lot of pregnant women join, even though they haven't even had their first child yet, but they want to start off on the right foot. Now you're still going to make mistakes, right? You're going to make your own mistakes and I can't help you avoid all of them, but I can help you avoid some of them or get your mind in the, right, in the right space. The second thing is that we've added a bonus specifically about younger ages and how to start to gently set those habits in place so that it's an easy transition, not like a sudden school with mom time, right? So I hope that answers your question, B. Okay, uh, Nishita, my child is five years old, so I need to homeschool or is unschooling is okay? Nishita, that is 100% up to you. Uh, Focus time could help you uh, come up with a structure that's a little bit of both, right? Um, And, you know, it's up to you. I love and uh, can really empathize and and relate to the unschooling approach. Most of my, uh, many of my friends who homeschool are in fact hardcore unschoolers, and that's awesome. Um, But it hasn't been our preference. Uh, We have felt that our kids do need some Uh, adult led structure because we weren't willing to wait until they taught themselves to read for example like my friends who have kids who are fully unschooled sometimes don't read until they're nine ten even eleven years old That's fine. That's one educational approach. There are a lot of reasons to love it and to go down that route. Um, It hasn't been our our approach or what we're comfortable with, me and my husband. And so we've done some hybrid model where there is some homeschooling and a lot of the time is unschooled. So I hope that helps, but basically it's very personal. um, A very personal decision. Okay, have you encountered any successful homeschooling arrangements between divorced parents? That is a great question. Um, I'm trying to think uh, because I know a few of the families that I know are going through divorces, but I haven't yet seen how they do it in person so i close up and personal i don't know i'm sure I'm, I'm sure it can be done, and the truth is that there has, I have encountered many unsuccessful homeschooling arrangements between married parents, and so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it very much depends on the type of divorce and the type of relationship between the co-parents. Uh, if you have some good communication between you, if you're able to come up with good plans between you, then I think it will be great. I don't think it matters uh, if you're married or not, as long as you have that connection. And vice versa is true as well. If you're married, but you're constantly at each other's throats and disagreeing about things, that's going to be a recipe for stress. And so, yeah, that would be my answer. <laughs> Would focus time help us decide if homeschooling is for me? Um, Aisha, I think it would because it would give you a clear picture of at least one very viable approach to homeschooling and a very simplified approach, something that makes it feel really doable, manageable, clear. And so I think it would be cool uh, for you to take it and then you'll know what it will look like and you can make a decision from that place, right? Tamara says, it helped me see what it would look like. Exactly. So if you're still feeling like, yeah, but what would it look like? Take the course. You'll also get a lot of visuals. You'll see a lot of videos from within my home, examples, uh, and it will just give you that sense. And you'll be like, hey, this really isn't for me. Or actually, yeah, I could do that too. Okay. Judy, my daughter and I are struggling, uh, struggling relationship-wise with the adult-led portion. She has pretty extreme demand, avoidance, Uh, Sorry, I missed the question, where is it? Uh, Pretty extreme demand avoidance, which gets worse the closer and more comfortable she is with the person, right? I.e. if she's comfortable with you expressing her anxiety and frustration with with me, right, with you, her parent. I'm considering more radical unschooling approach. Can you speak to this approach at all? Uh, Judy, I don't teach unschooling, and I'm not an unschooler. All I can do is offer you my own personal, deeply personal, and I'm not saying this is right for everyone, Personally, I feel that demand avoidance is an invitation to practice answering uh, demands, not an invitation to avoid demands. That's my personal approach with my son, who is also demand avoidant. My own personal approach is that, yes, but there are demands in life. You do have to be able to sit down sometimes and do something even if it's not your favorite. You do have to be able to be Um, you know, uh, cooperative in life, right? For example, we can move this away from school because education is a whole question in and of itself. Does it need consent? Does it not need consent? But if I ask my child to take out the trash, uh, they might not want to take out the trash. No one wants to take out the trash. It's not fun. Um, But they absolutely have to practice that. They absolutely have to learn to do that. And for me to say, well, I guess the approach is that then I should never ask them to take out the trash because they get anxious and frustrated and angry is to basically say, I have no expectations of my child, in my opinion, right, for me, for my child. This isn't a generalized judgment. Um, But I think it's basically letting them off the hook, not in a good way, because then they never learn to overcome that frustration. So I think when children struggle with something, uh, when adults struggle with something, the plan uh, to ease off of that thing and not ask them to do it anymore is a plan that does not benefit them. It makes them weaker. It makes them unable to handle their frustrations and irritations. So an example from my own homeschooling experience, my son uh, was really, really, really struggling with reading something. He didn't want to, he had a really bad attitude. No, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And my approach was to say, okay, we're not gonna read the whole book. We're not even gonna read the whole page, but you can read three words, right? Now I know that he can. Um, but my point to not let him off the hook was I don't want him to get the idea that when something's a struggle, when something's hard, when I don't feel like doing something, then the answer is to not do it. The answer is actually to do it. It's to address your mindset. It's to coach yourself, etc. cetera, right? Um, and so that's that's my personal approach. I know it's not popular for everyone, but that's that's what I believe. Okay. My mom is an elementary school teacher and drills home how she's not seen one instance of a child coming into public school from a homeschooling experience and it to be a good experience for the child. There are all, they are always behind academically, always completely overwhelmed, and so on. I've got fears about judgment from mom, but more so about believing what my mom is saying and setting up my son for a struggle." Okay, I completely understand. And your mom might be absolutely right. And, you know, <laughs> and of course, as you know, she's, she's also very biased because we all are and because she's a teacher. Um, And I don't doubt that there is a big struggle for many kids moving from homeschool to school because it's a very different thing. Uh, I could tell you, I moved countries when I was eight and a half, and I struggled terribly academically. I was very overwhelmed. I was very behind because it was a different language. It's not so different, right? It's this big transition. It's this big change. Um, And so that makes sense. That doesn't necessarily mean that homeschool is a less viable option. It just means that the transition between one and the other, and by the way, it goes the same in the other direction too. When children come out of public school, they typically need what is called the de process, which is a long time where they're not able, they have to kind of unlearn what they learned in school, right? They need to kind of unlearn uh, some of the things about, uh, you know, about not learning for fun, for example, right? They have to unlearn about the idea that you learn for the test or that does this have to, do I have to remember this? Is this going to be on the test? They have to unlearn that. No, now we're learning because we want to, expand our minds because we're curious because it will serve us in the future because it's helpful to us right so that difficulty in transition obvious and it goes in both directions they're two very different lifestyles a very different approaches to learning and there's no question that the transition is going to be a struggle in both directions Um, however that doesn't mean that one choice or the other choice is better or worse for your child right Um, what i would do is speak to real homeschoolers um, you can start with me <laughs> in focus time, uh, but also speak to real homeschoolers. Really ask yourself what's true for you. Many of us have to part ways with our parents' value system in lots of different realms, right? Financially, religiously, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and sometimes educationally. Um, and maybe your mom has everything right for you, and maybe she's right for her, but not for you. And, and both of those things are a hundred percent okay. A struggle, a struggle as it might be. My mom, bless her, she once said to me not so long ago, aren't you worried about you know your child not knowing this or that, the other? And I said to her, you know, mom, I'm not, but it sounds like you are. Would you like us to talk it through? And it's just about holding space for the people around us and their concerns, where they're coming from. Everybody wants the best mm-hmm. for your child. They just have different ideas of how to get there. And if you're going to go a little bit of a different route, like if you're going to go a homeschooling route or any kind of alternative route, you're going to need to learn to address that mindset, to feel confident and to feel unapologetic about it. And also to realize that people aren't just judging you and trying to make it hard for you. They just don't know what you're doing and they're worried about it and they are genuinely concerned and that's okay. And you can address that. And just because they're concerned doesn't make it wrong. Bola. Hi, Bola. So great to see you again. Uh, She says, also, what age group does your focus program cover? I have a 14, seven and two year old. Just to clarify, it sounds like the program is not a curriculum, but like a structure and a strategy. Yes. Does that mean uh, we then have to go somewhere else to look for learning resources? Okay. Perfect question. So first of all, what ages does it cover? You know, I, I think of it as more of an elementary school, um, and preschool, ages. So two, still a little early. Uh, seven, right there at the focus time um, age. 14, I think it will help you certainly, but they may have aged out because they may be following high school, you know, very set virtual learning or a very heavy curriculum. So I don't know if you're homeschooling now or not, um, but it may or may not apply. It depends on you. Um, so that's around the ages. Now, you're absolutely right. It is not a curriculum. It is an approach that outlines how to do keeping up with school standards in an hour a day and then what to do the rest of the time so that you're still bringing in project-based learning, child-led learning, interest-based learning, and relationship-led learning, and a lot of independent play, which you know I stand for. And so what you would do is you would get a lot of clarity over. okay, every day from seven to eight, this is what we're doing. From eight till nine, this is what we're doing. And then from nine till three, this is what we're doing, etc. Right, you would get clarity over the type, right, the quality of interaction. Am I sitting there teaching my kid math, or are they watching a documentary and making, them, making their own stop motion movie, or are we all baking together? Right, just understanding the different types of learning. Um, and then you would get learning resources. Primarily, you would just get two or three uh, textbooks per child, right, some kind of curriculum per child. Now, you don't have to get I don't get big fancy curriculums, I get just a simple textbook and I work through it with them on very specific subjects, right? So in my case, I'll just give you a bit of the focus time idea. In my case, you know, liter- learning to read, learning to write, math uh, math skills, those are all things that we want to keep our children up to common core standards, up to, you know, whatever, grade standards or beyond. Um, and then there are other things like geography, history, uh, politics, science, all of that stuff that we're much more comfortable being creative and expansive, and um, um, more uh, intuitive—not intuitive, but I guess creative—with. And so, <laughs> and so, that's the answer to answer your question there. So, would you need to get resources? Sure, um, but uh, but not many, uh, and just just those specific ones that you would need. Okay, let's do ten more minutes of Q and A's, and then we will. Um, And then we will close this up. And if you have more questions, you'll start. uh, You'll hopefully join focus time and ask me in our Q and A sessions that are coming up next Wednesday. Okay, Shauna. My youngest is five and is going into kindergarten this year. He's in a Montessori school. My older two, eight and six, are in public school. Um, The Montessori school appears to be going back full time in person, and the public school is still unknown. Do you have thoughts about sending one child to school and homeschooling the others? You know, I don't have any specific or dogmatic thoughts about it. I'm sure you've thought about the things that might come up, just, you know, jealousy that some are staying home and some are not, um, and that kind of thing but you will, um, you will be able to adjust for that. I am a huge believer in children's adaptability, resilience, I don't believe everything has to be fairly divided between our kids. They each just need to get what's best for them, right? They each just need their specific and unique needs answered and that's what you're gonna be doing and that sounds like a great plan. So no, I don't have any specific thoughts except that go for it, explain to them, this is what's happening, you guys have, you, know, you have school, you don't have school, it's all fine. Uh, that's not a problem, right? Okay, Lorene, is there a specific name for programs geared towards homeschoolers? I haven't heard of those here in Washington. I'm not sure what you mean, Lorene, by that. Uh, Do you mean curriculums or co-ops? But if you Google programs for homeschoolers, you will find, uh, I'm sure, including in your state, there are things like, uh, you know, science classes in the mornings, Right, or robotics, or drama, or music, or a lot of different faith centers offer like music classes and that kind of thing. Uh, Or museums typically offer homeschool groups in the morning. So a lot of things that are usually closed or usually only available in the afternoons to school kids uh, run homeschool programs in the morning that's really nice because it's really empty. Uh, Anoki, traditional schooling changed a lot during COVID. Did the homeschooling practice change a lot during COVID too, if yes, how? Uh, it did change a lot. And the reason, the way that it changed is primarily the social aspect of it and the programs that I just mentioned. So many of us had programs, like we went to judo in the morning, right? Maybe you had guitar class or uh, survival skill class. We had forest class. Uh, We did a lot of hikes with friends and we met up with friends every single day uh, before COVID. And so that did change a lot. Um, what perhaps didn't change is that we weren't used to this, you know, drop off and pick up. And we were already used to taking the responsibility for our kids education on ourselves. Um, but our capacity to meet up with other families and to participate in other programs changed changed a great deal. Yes. Um, so those are things that I hope are, are going to be available this year, depending on where you are. Um, What about diversity and socialization? I'm worried it's only for rich families. Um, You know, yeah, it depends where you live and and who is around you. And that's true, whatever you do, whatever school you send to, uh, in your um, um, uh, homeschool community. Um, it's a myth that homeschooling is only for rich families. That's not true. Um, it is true that if it's a family relying on a single income and that parent is working, then they're going to have to be creative about it. But we have single moms in our homeschool community who make it work primarily through the co-ops through other parents watching her kid. Um, so it's, I don't think it's true that it's necessarily only for rich families and a lot of homeschooling families I know make a lot of financial sacrifice in order to be able to homeschool. So they'll give up uh, on their income, et cetera. Um, but in terms of diversity, look, it depends on where you live and what the diversity options are, uh, just as it depends in the school that you are, but you would have to see what you're comfortable with, what families, the truth is, I think diversity is such a luxury that most people can't even think about right now. Cause most of us don't even have one family to hang out with whoever that family is. Right. If you, um, are in an area, I think it was Lucy before saying like, I don't even know if there's a single other homeschooling family. That's a challenge um, that you first have to overcome before you can start trying and find lots of different types of families. I will just say, though, that you're not limited to homeschoolers to socialize with, just like I said with Lucy. You can be socializing with school kids after school, on the weekends, that type of thing. And so, again, it depends on your neighborhood and all of that stuff. But um, but that that's uniquely uh, individual, depending on where you live. Uh, Nishita, what is the right age to start schooling in general? You know, I don't give a right age. I don't believe in one right age. I can tell you that in places like uh, Finland, they only start uh, official academic schooling at age seven or eight. That's when they start to learn to read and write. Um, Schooling has gone uh, younger and younger in the USA, for example, right? Where it used to be that you start to learn to read and write in first grade, which was about the age of six. Now you're expected to know how to read by the end of kindergarten, which is the age of five. And so I don't think that's a great thing for most kids. I think that's putting a lot of academic pressure before it's time. I think it's pushing early development academically, where there should be other things that are way more important during that time, like social and emotional development. Um, So I think it very much depends. And I also really think it depends on your unique child. Some children are super... um, Are super academically oriented, like asking to learn to read as early as two or three. Right. So it depends on your child. And that's one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is that you can adapt it to their pace and to what they're able to handle. How would you organize a co-op with five families that are new to homeschool? Um, so that's a great thing to have. That's wonderful. You could be rotating between people's homes. Or you could all be meeting in the forest or in the playground or whatever's available to you in nature. Uh, you could be bringing a potluck or everybody brings their own lunch and you have a you know a meal together as a community. And then personally, I would I would rely on my own approach. Is that co-ops are for free play primarily. Like if you want to do a little bit of instruction, maybe you want it to be an art co-op or a science co-op or a math co-op or whatever, fine. Um, But I think the main thing that kids get out of co-ops is the capacity to have free play. And then the actual academic advancements that you'll do are going to be at home. It could be cool to do it around something like, you know, storytelling or learning about history or doing scientific experiments, that kind of thing. Aisha, what's the difference between unschooling and homeschooling? Uh, unschooling uh, relies on children uh, to be curious and ask questions and want to learn things. And adults then facilitate the children's learning when they ask and when they show interest and not before. So an adult does not say, come, let's learn our ABCs, let's learn one, two, three, let's learn to read and write, etc." They wait for the child to say, what does that say? Or what's this letter? And they follow the child's pace almost 100% and so you know that's my own uh my own definition of it but i think most unschoolers would agree with me um that basically they're not ever inflicting education upon their children but they're just making an environment where their children are a bit, uh, are encouraged to ask questions and they will help them and facilitate their learning um the a homeschooling approach is where adults do have some kind of agenda, right? Some kind of curriculum that they follow, some kind of goal that they want their child to meet at a certain time, etc. Uh, so that's the difference. So homeschoolers would sit their kids down and say, we're going to learn this now. And unschoolers would not do that. Uh, Bola asks if, uh, about the price. The, the, the um, price, by the way, is one time only it's not recurring it's not a payment plan it's just $48 and you own it for life you know for as long as we're running it so it's a 48 dollar price point and there's no you know hidden fees or whatever what about learning to work on in groups that's a great question so learning to work in groups is important it's necessary you do need to know how to be part of a group and follow instruction and not be disruptive And that type of thing. That's a skill we all want our kids to have. It's gonna be hard to get that skill if social distancing continues. Um, It's gonna be incredibly hard. So, um, I just wanna say that in that case, uh, we may not be able to teach our kids that if there's strict social distancing continuing, right? Because they may not be able to be in groups (laughs) and they can't learn how to learn in groups. Um, So, that might be something that we kind of supplement. Later on when social distancing is lifted, right? It might not be something that you can offer them in a deep way right now. It might be something that you can in small groups and it might be something that you can't. And so just consider that there are gonna be some things that our kids aren't gonna be able to get this particular year and that's okay because kids are adaptable and they learn and they're flexible and they will pick up those skills. We'll reinforce that with a lot of group learning later on. Okay. So uh, this is the last question I'm gonna answer is from Christine and then we're gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna just continue to welcome everybody who's joined me in focus time. I can't wait to carry on with these Q and A's with you a week from today so that should give you ample time to listen through the course. Um, Christine asks, because of COVID, I'm not sure when I'll be expected to go back to work, and this influences my schooling plans. How can I make a confident choice with this big unknown ha- hanging over my head of when when she's going back to the office? Okay, Christine. So first of all, I want to say we can all rely on the fact that people are going to under- have to understand. Every company is going to have to understand that there's a lot of complexity, and that not everybody is going to be able to come back at the exact right time. And I think that there will be a lot of leniency and understanding around. Uh, Around that. Um, But I also want to say that you should provision for that. In other words, if you make this decision with confidence and you know that at some point you will definitely need to go back to the office, even if they're very understanding and they give you time, okay, then what will happen, right? Will you be able to hire help? Will you be able to enroll in a program at that point, Um, et cetera? So just have your plan be in the back of your head of what you could do uh, when office work Reinstates, And if you are sure that that's going to happen or pretty sure or whatever, then maybe you decide from the get-go to enroll in a program. But just rem- remember, nothing is set in stone. You can pivot and change. You can find creative, surprising solutions like other families that are happy to do a swap, right? Um, there are many, many options available to you that are outside that box of school and office, right? It's, it's very we are all very used to just those options just those linear options and now is a time when we need to open our minds to lots of creative solutions hey who do we know what are the what are the grandparents doing what are the neighbors doing what are my friends doing are we able to figure out some kind of fun creative plan can we do a barter can i watch their kids on the weekend and they watch my kids for three days a week etc um so i want you to open your mind All right, so to close this up, I just want to say thank you so much for spending this time with me here today. But most of all, thank yourself for giving yourself this time to work through these concerns. They're real. Uh, They're important. They absolutely influence the mental health and well-being of your family. Uh, Being in that limbo place is not a healthy place to stay for any length of time. It's an invitation to go into this work of really sorting it through and making these decisions, which you are doing. So kudos to you. Um, And if you are homeschool curious and you think it might be an option or partially an option for this year, then I wanna strongly recommend that you dive into focus time, because in just three hours you can get a lot of clarity of what that could look like and what the structure would be for you, uh, potentially. And I hope that that really really makes this time easier. As I said, I know that there are 99 problems in your life right now, probably, and I just wanna help you at least knock off this one, at least have a little bit more clarity, peace of mind, less conflict with your partner or with your child around this subject, Um, And a deeper sense of trust in your own intuition and in your own capacity to make uh, imperfect choices, uh, but choices that are right for you and your family under the circumstances, nonetheless. Okay guys, so if you're watching the replay of this, then you may have missed the window to get into focus time and still get that bonus of the Q&A sessions, but they are recorded and you will get them in the bonus section in focus time. So all you have to do is go over to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash focus time and grab your copy. It's basically like spending three hours with me over a cup of tea discussing exactly how we homeschool and why we reached the conclusions that we did for the time being. And uh, you're gonna lift the veil and see what it looks like in my real very imperfect home (laughs) and get a list of the links and resources that we currently use, which I do keep up to date. So just head on over to theparentingjunkiecom forward slash focus time. It will give you a clear picture of what a very hassle-free approach to homeschooling could look like. And I hope that this will set you up for success and a lot of clarity on your journey. Namaste.